Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 16, Free Bird. James had finished his main course, and had two more glasses of water brought to him by David. He sat, glass in hand, watching the stairs, waiting for Jenny to come back down. There was a flurry of movement from the front of the restaurant. He turned and saw Jenny run past the maitre d' with her dress round her waist. "'Bill, please!' Jenny called out to no one in particular. "'James, put the money on the table. It's time to go.' She grabbed her coat, pulled some banknotes from a pocket, and threw them onto the table. "'Now!' He didn't need telling a third time. He put his money on top of Jenny's pile, grabbed his coat and duffel bag, and followed her. Thanks, he said to a bemused-looking David, who had just emerged from the kitchen. Jenny didn't pause, pushing straight out through the fire escape into the small outdoor seating area. She ran to the back of it and vaulted over the wall into the dark path that led toward the swimming pool. Hang on, James called after her. He climbed onto a bench up against the wall and passed Cece over to Jenny. Then he clambered down after. They ran down the path, past the pool and onto the next street, James lagging behind his fitter friend. "'The ringmaster,' Jenny said as he caught her up at a busy road. "'She saw me.' "'Where?' James panted. "'When I was climbing down the wall.' "'What wall? Where are we going?' he asked. "'I found this.' She held out a grey feather for a moment before jogging over the road at a less frenetic speed. "'A feather?' James kept pace. "'What does it mean?' It means the pigeons beat us to it, Jenny said. They already have the book. Are you sure, he said. It's just a feather. It was in a trunk, and there was a bird in the storeroom keeping watch. None of it really made much sense to James. They slowed to a brisk walk. Up ahead was the dark shape of St. Bart's Church, looming tall over the nearby houses. Oh no, he groaned. Don't tell me the bishop has the book. I think so, Jenny said. I wish I'd worked it out when we were there before. Me too. I still haven't sorted my clothes from last time. They're still in the bike shed. You really want to go back into the bell room? No, but the book is clearly important, and the bishop knows more than he let on before. Now the pigeons know that we're looking for it, this might be our only chance to get it. As much as he didn't want her to be right, James agreed that they should visit the bishop one more time. They hurried through a dirty patch of park opposite the front of the church. Jenny swung the duffel bag round to let Cece out, but James stopped her. It's open, he said. The big front doors of the church were pushed back against the brick archway of the entrance. When they got closer, James could hear music, singing and an organ emanating from inside. There must be a choir practising, he said, or maybe a performance. Two pigeons were perched on the archway above the door. One of them took to the air when the children approached. James went in through the open doors and into the main hall. It was dimly lit by a series of lights along the side walls. There was a choir assembled down the other end, standing in front of the altar. They were dressed in normal clothes, singing from song sheets in their hands, and there were only a handful of people sitting in the pews listening. I guess it's a practice, James whispered. Come on, Jenny said. I didn't like the look of those pigeons outside. Let's get moving. They ran up the first set of stairs to the balcony. 
The noise of the organ was tremendous. There was a woman with her hair in a bun, sitting at the keyboard, swaying as she played. They crept past her, ducking low to avoid being seen by the singers at the other end of the church. Jenny undid the no-admittance rope and handed it to James on the way through. He put it back across, then followed up the dark stairs. His legs were aching by the time they reached the high walkway. Cece gave a whimper from inside the bag. She doesn't want to see the bishop either, James said. Give her to me. She can go back inside my jacket. Jenny opened the bag, and Cece jumped straight into the mesh pocket. Use some of this, Jenny said, handing him a small tub. Rub it under your nose. It was Vic's vapor rub. He dipped a finger into the ointment and smeared a line of menthol under his nose. The smell was very strong, and minty too. You came prepared, he said. You knew we were coming up here. No, I keep getting flashbacks of the bishop's stink, so I put it in my pocket yesterday. I hoped we'd never come here again. Me too. James handed the tub back. Are you ready? She nodded and strode across to the small door and pushed it open. James followed her inside, standing near the door and holding it open. The smell hit him and his eyes started to water, but Jenny's ointment stopped him from gagging. "'You again?' the bishop said, still perched on the edge of the lectern. "'But at least you don't have your rude friends with you.' "'We want the book,' Jenny said, "'the book that explains the key to the air.' "'Why?' The bird's head bobbed with puzzlement. Another bird fluttered past the nearest window. James looked out at the orange-lit town below them. Then he saw a figure dressed in black, sweeping out of the little park. The ringmaster. Because we have the key, and we want to know how to use it, he said quickly. You have the key, the bird said incredulously. That's not true. It was promised to King Pigeon. Whoever made that promise was wrong, Jenny said. Is that the book? She pointed to the open book on the lectern. The bishop shuffled his feet nervously, and his bird claws scratched the wooden edge. The whole of the side of the lectern had been worn down from the bird's movements. Show me the key, the bird said. I don't believe you. James leaned out of the door, already desperate for a breath of fresher air, and to check the balcony below. The ringmaster strode across it. He took in one last gulp of air and quickly pulled the door closed. Here, he said, taking the feather and the nib out of his pocket. He put them together and held them up for the bishop to see. The ringmaster's on the stairs. We've only got a few seconds. How do I know that's the real key to the air? We haven't got time for this, Jenny said. We just need the book. James had an idea and pulled C.C.'s sketch from his pocket. Watch this, he said to the bishop. He dipped the silver nib into the inkwell next to the bird's feet, then hurriedly held the back of the sketch against the middle of the door. Then he quickly stroked out the Chinese symbol and waited. Enough of this, Jenny said, holding her breath and leaning over to pull the book from next to the bird. We can sneak out the other way. She yanked the book away and the bishop squawked, but it didn't stop her. Its bobbing head was fixed on James's hand. The feeling of weightlessness was spreading from the quill into his hand. He quickly stepped towards Jenny, taking hold of her arm with his free hand. Wait, he said, just look. The window in the air started to open. 
just like in his bedroom, it was vertical, in the same plane as the small door. When it had almost covered up the whole doorway, the door behind it was pulled open. The ringmaster gasped. An air portal, she said. Then she regained her composure. So, the key does work. The edges of the window expanded to fill the open doorway completely. The ringmaster was blocked. From this door, at least. That should buy us at least a minute, James said quietly, using his grip on Jenny's arm to anchor him to the floor. Let's go. Jenny started edging around the pile of dung, empty duffel in one hand, book in the other, to get to the far door. The mountains are so close, the bishop said, mesmerized by the window. The bird was right. The snow-capped peaks were not miles below, but right there, as if they were looking across a valley. And the air, though cold, was not the sub-zero blast that James had felt in his bedroom. Come on, Jenny said, pulling James across the room. A waft of acrid air washed over him, and he held his breath and blinked away more tears. Take me with you, the stinking bird pleaded. I've been studying the book for a year. You won't know where to start. You can fly where you like, Jenny said. We need to move. We can't go down, James said. The ringmaster will just be waiting at the bottom of the stairs. We're trapped. I can't fly, the bishop said. Set me free. The white bird lifted a knobbly pink foot. Around it was a metal ring, and from the ring a chain ran down beneath the lectern. You're a prisoner, James said. Why didn't you say before? I was put into bondage for a past transgression, the bird said. But my studies of the portal book are a reward beyond riches. I have learned much about the ancient codes that open the portals. I can be of great help to you. We don't have long before the ringmaster works out there's another way up here, Jenny said. Then she held up the portal book and said, This feels really light for such a big book. It's the key to the air, the bishop said. You are connected to it, and its power flows from the point of touch. I think we should free the bird, James said. His knowledge could be useful. Very useful, the bird nodded eagerly. Put the book in the bag, James said. We don't want to lose it. Jenny opened the bag and pushed the book into it, then zipped it back up. When she stepped over the dung bank toward the bird, James found his head bumping on the wooden rafters. Ow, he said. I'm floating, she said. James pushed them gently off the ceiling, and Jenny caught the lectern and pulled herself down. James ended up horizontal, his feet touching the great bell, with one hand holding the key to the air and the other holding tight to Jenny's arm. Right above the lectern, the smell was terrible. James took shallow breaths through his mouth and hoped Jenny would be quick. Her feet landed either side of the main dung pile, right beneath the bird, her shoes slipping on the oozing droppings. It made James's stomach turn, and he closed his eyes and held his breath. There was the sound of the chain breaking, then the sound of wings flapping. He felt a tug from Jenny's arm and held on tight until he couldn't hold his breath any more and had to take a big gulp of air. Ready to vomit, he braced for the ammonia to take effect. But the air was clean and fresh, and he opened his eyes. Below him, the roofs of houses drifted past. He was still horizontal, holding the key to the air in his right hand, and a now horizontal Jenny in his left. In her other hand was a thin chain. 
and on the other end of the chain was the bishop towing them through the cold night air. Hi everyone, Tom the writer, reader, outerer here again. My word, I did not think that the bishop would end up saving the day. Let's just hope that James doesn't drop the key to the air. He doesn't, so please don't worry about that. I've had a great response from those of you wanting to be part of the Green Hands gang. I still haven't got round to quite writing those chapters yet. In fact, I haven't even written tomorrow's chapter, but don't worry, it'll get done. So if you want to be part of the gang, there's still time. Send me a message, or get an adult to send me one. Easiest way is to send an email to tom at brightonadventure.com. That's tom at brightonadventure.com. Anyway, thanks for listening. (laughs) 